Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with speaker, author, and family recovery coach, Daryl Rogers. These days, he is living in Cary, North Carolina, and as a family recovery coach, he specializes in working with parents of children struggling with a substance abuse disorder. Daryl also serves on the State Advisory Board of North Carolina Mothers Against Drunk Driving. At the age of 19, Daryl began a career as a corporate pilot. He served as a medic in the Army National Guard became a co-pilot gunner of the AH-64 Apache attack helicopter. His 20-year-old son Chase died in a drug-impaired wreck. Chase was a passenger in the front seat of his own car. The 18-year-old driver of the car took her own life seven months later, and as a result of that, he dedicated his life to helping others. Daryl and his wife Kim have been married for over 31 years. They are proud parents of two boys. We get into so much during this interview. Enjoy. Thank you for taking a minute out, and before we get into your life and what kind of makes you move. I want to know a little bit about how you survived the last couple of years with COVID. How did you get through this time period? And how has it changed the way that you not only approach your life, but approach business? Mm, with COVID, um, it has been such a weird time, hasn't it? <laughs> yes, it uh, has. You know, um, I think just it's it's been difficult, you know, not being – not have in the early stages and early phases when we didn't have as much contact one-on-one with people because I'm a real people person. I like people and, and that was an adjustment. Um, I did, I have done a lot of zoom calls <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, I facilitate a peer support group for parents and, uh, we went to Zoom and just having that every Monday night and uh, a lot of other, you know, speaking engagements, some of those went to uh, Zoom. And so it's not as good as being in person, but it certainly helped uh, maintain a connection there. Um, and between that and I, I do the Miracle Morning. Have you ever heard of the Miracle Morning? Yes. Okay. So I do that morning routine, and that has really that has really helped. I think um, uh, I had a, an accountability partner, and he dropped by the wayside, and I picked up a new accountability partner. We really clicked good. So, um, you know, having a morning routine, getting up, getting exercise. I think the exercise is a is a big piece of it because it gets those endor- it gets the blood flowing, gets those endorphins going, and it just makes you feel better, you know. And um, that that I've, I've kind of had that habit really all of my life, um, but uh, maintaining the exercise habit has de- definitely helped. So let's kind of boil down what you do for a living, kind of to just to the essentials here and simplify it. If I put you in front of a bunch of third graders at a career day right now, one of them looks up at you and says, what do you do for a living? How would you answer them? Oh, that'd be tough with third graders. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, you know, I work with parents who have children who have a drug or alcohol addiction. So I don't know if third graders would be, you know, well, today's third graders might be a little different because, um, uh, you know, 
they get exposed to things a lot earlier in life. So, you know, maybe I could talk to them about uh, addictions in general versus, you know, uh, without bringing the drugs and alcohol into it. You know, people get addicted to all kind of things, um, even video games. Video games can be very addictive. Phones can be addictive. TV can be addictive. So, um, you know, I could I could probably use that as an example to talk to if I were talking to third graders about you know, in, in terms of uh, making it simple so they could understand it too, um, uh, you know, just explaining to them, you know, how how much parents love their kids and, um, you know, we don't want to see our children do things that are going to, if you have good parents, which most, most people do, um, they don't want to see uh, their kids do things that are going to uh, end up harming them or having some terrible consequences. So sometimes parents can get, can go a little bit overboard on trying to help out, trying to protect. And um, I think, you know, kids need to understand, and this goes for um, young adult, uh, teenagers and young adult kids as well, need to understand that parents, um, if if they're getting on your nerves, if they're bothering you because they're, they're uh, trying to, this seems like sometimes they're trying to run their life for you, parents can step over the line sometimes. But it is because be patient with them because it is because they love you, they care about you, and and they don't want to see anything bad happen to you. So when you were in the third grade, what was your dream when you grew up? What did you want to be? I wanted to be a pilot. You know, I think there are a lot of things behind that, but the the main contributor was my brother. I have an older brother. He's we're eighteen years apart. He's 18 years older, and uh, he flew helicopters. And I really looked up to him, and so I put a plan together. He helped me put a plan together because by the time I was 13 or 14, I had made up my mind, this is what I want to do. And uh, so I graduated from high school early, I had put my mother was the uh, she was the secretary at my high school, so she helped me with that, figuring out how a, a path to do that. So I graduated a year early, and I didn't go to I didn't go to college. I immediately started taking flying lessons, and by the time I was nineteen, I had a job as a co-pilot flying for uh, flying corporate. So. Um, you know, your dreams really can come true if you, if you know, you work hard. It, it helps having someone who has, who has gone down that path ahead of you. You know, who can teach you the ropes. But, uh, but yeah, uh, it's it's really pretty cool because I have a picture when I was six years old. My brother um, he flew helicopters in the. Uh, he started out in the military. Excuse me. He started out in the military. Um, He flew uh, helicopters in Vietnam, flew combat missions there, and 
Um, when he came back from Vietnam, he was an instructor pilot there for a while before he moved over to the civilian side of things. But um, I have a picture where he put me when I was six years old in the cockpit of a helicopter and took a picture of me and on the flight line at Fort Rucker, Alabama. And then I have a picture when I was 18 and I'm standing next to a helicopter with my brother um, and the gentleman that owned the business there, the flight instruction business. And we were all together and there, the, he's handing me my, um, my license, my commercial helicopter license. Um, so uh, anyway, that was sort of my path. I did end up getting out of flying in 91, and that's another story. But <laughs> anyway, uh, it, I, I loved flying and a lot of adventure, a lot of stories there. So how did you get into this line of work? How did it all start for you? Well, my oldest son, Chase, died in a wreck in 2014, and uh, there were drugs involved in the wreck. And Chase had been – it really caught me off guard because I never had experienced any addiction, any drug or alcohol addiction in my family. Um, so I didn't really know what that looked like and how it affected the family. And, uh, um, I don't know when I first knew that he had a problem. Well, I guess I would say for sure I knew when he was in college. Um, and he dropped out in the second semester of his freshman year, but I figured it out pretty early on when he was in college. And um, he came back home. Um, he eventually we got him into treatment. He was in the treat. He was in treatment for thirty days. Then he bounced around to several different halfway houses, and he came back home. Eventually, was doing better, uh, staying away from the people who had been a bad influence before. And he was. We felt like we had the old chase back. All of his good friends, his family, we all felt like we had the old chase back. But over time, he began to relapse. And uh, uh, he came to me one day and said, Dad, you know, I'm headed in a bad direction again. I'm hanging around a rough crowd of people again. And I know I need to get away from the, this group of people that's a bad influence on me, but I, I just can't do it. I don't know how to do it except to move. So he told me to take my job transfer to Florida um, back to the area where he had been in rehab. He told me when he was planning to leave, I told my wife, Kim, Kim Maychase promised that he would come by and, and have a meal with us before leaving for Florida. Well, the day came that he was supposed to come by and eat with us, and he didn't show up. And so uh, we were all sitting in the living room, Kim and I, and, and our younger son, Justin, was in the eighth grade at the time. And I had a phone call from a friend. Well, I didn't want to disturb Kim and Justin with my phone conversation, so I went outside. It was a nice day out. It was May 29th, 2014, and I'm standing out in the front lawn, and a police cruiser, I'm talking to my friend on the phone, and a police cruiser pulled up to the curb in front of our house, and the officer got out and started up my driveway, and I told my friend I need to go. Apparently, Chase is in some kind of trouble. And so I met the officer there, and that's where he told me that Chase had um, died in a wreck. 
anyway, that uh, that was the beginning of um, it was really a, a turning point in my life. And so um, I wrote a book over the next year of, about Chase's life and published that on Amazon. And then um, uh, in 26, that was in 20. He died in 2014. 2015, I, I, the, I published the book. In 2016, I started uh, doing prevention, drug prevention speaking, and impaired driving prevention speaking. And um, then I, um, in 2018, I began uh, working with parents through a uh, I was facilitating a, a, this was for a nonprofit. I began to facilitate a peer support group for parents who have children who are addicted to drugs or alcohol. And uh, uh, after a couple of years of doing that, I realized that I wanted to start coaching parents. And so I got certified to be a family recovery coach. And so uh, that's, that's my path, and I'm still I'm still doing the prevention speaking. I haven't written a book lately, but I'll get back to that eventually. But but that's where I am today. You know, it sounds like it's taken a lot of strength to get through things in your life. I mean, even being a pilot, to which you just explained that you went through. So I'm curious, who's been a role model or a hero for you in your life? Oh wow. Well, I would say a, a few people really. Um, I had great parents, and, you know, I really looked up to my dad a lot. My dad was a preacher. <laughs> he was a Southern Baptist preacher, um, small-town churches, and then, well, the last church he was at where he retired from, he was there 15 years, and um, small country church, and that is home to me. That is, like, I've, I love that place. I love the people there, and I don't live there, haven't you know, lived there many, many years, but I consider that home. And, uh, um, but really my dad, um, such a good person. I mean, a Christian man who didn't just talk the talk, he walked the walk every single day because I got to see him walk the walk, you know. Um, my parents took in three different teenagers, uh, while I was growing up, who came from broken homes, who needed a home, and uh, raised them just like if they were their own, and uh, um, you know that made an impression on me. So I've always tried to do what I can reasonably to be able to help people, you know, who are down on, I don't know if I was, I don't like to use the word luck, but I was starting to say down on their luck, but people who are just really struggling, you know. So, um, so yeah, my, I would say my mother and my father and my brother and my brother, you know, um, Vietnam vet, um, he doesn't talk about it, but a, a hero, I know. I've talked to some other people who flew with him and, um, and I've flown with him. And I know what kind of a pilot he is, you know. He's just uh, just a, a great person too. And so, yeah, all three of them very, very um, uh, influential in my life. 
So if you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now and talk to them, who would you love to meet and talk to? One person. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> These are some tough questions, but they're good. <laughs> <laughs> good. Any, anyone who, oh, man, anybody, I don't know. Let's see. Um, you know, I'll... I, I'm a patriot. <laughs> I love the United States of America, you know, and I think I would like to meet some of the founding fathers. You know, if I could go back and talk to, I don't know, if, I, if it were maybe George Washington. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would just, I would like to know what, because you know, particularly George Washington, because of they overcame such, odds to be able to win the Revolutionary War. I mean, there was no way you would think in a million years they'd be able to pull that off, you know, and and the hardships they had to endure uh, not being properly equipped and clothed and, and you know, um, I'm thinking about the, you know, surviving the winter or, or trying to survive the winter, the, the winters that they had to, uh, that one winter that they had to um, get through, you know, just uh uh, very, uh, a lot of hardships there. So I'd like to pick his brain on, on leadership and uh, toughness and all of that. So, you know, you everybody, when they wake up, they have, they're motivated to do what they do and live their lives. So you clearly have, have kind of drawn out what motivates you. But when you get mm-hmm. to the end of the day, how do you quantify a good day? How do you sit back and say, that was a good day? There's a couple of ways to do it, and I think, you know, I mean, sometimes you look at results, but I, I don't like to look at results as much as effort. If I know that um, I worked hard and I put a lot of effort into um, not just physical but mental effort, you know, and in, in, into everything that I was doing, and that if I know that I was in my heart, I was doing the right things, the things that I need to be doing, and I can look back on the day and go, okay, I left it all out there, just like if I were playing in a in a football game, and I were playing. I, I know at the if I know at the end of the game, I know in my heart if I played it, if I left everything on the field, and it's the same sort of thing. That's how I know if I had a good day. At the end of the day, I, I can kind of – I don't even really have to go and look at a lot of figures and numbers and say, well, I did this, you know, I did that, this many, I made this many calls, or I talked to this many people, or I, you know, um, I helped this many people with this. It, it's more about I just, I just sense that I know in my heart if I really worked hard. So let's say you have a dream tonight and you run into the younger version of yourself staying your twenties. You could give that version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom that you've gained over your life, the paths you've been down. What would you tell your young version? I would say to love your children but allow them to make more of their own decisions starting younger. And when I say allow them to make more of their own decisions, allow them to make some mistakes. 
and and don't rescue and don't protect them from those mistakes because that's how they will learn. And I think um, as parents, we're we're way too um, we're way too overprotective in our society. I think it's just sort of a cultural thing that we've come to over a period of time where. Um, we do too much enabling, too much protecting, too much rescuing, and um, our kids don't really learn early enough, and sometimes not at all, how to how to cope with the real world. So that would be my best advice: would be, you know, start earlier, allowing your kids to make mistakes and learn from them. So, Daryl, everyone out there has a perception of you. You have a role that you play in life, your family, your friends, your clients, but ultimately you're in control of all of it in your life. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Typically, I'm, I'm quiet, easygoing, you know. Um, I would say my 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 default is non-confrontational. I don't like to ruffle people's feathers. But I do it anyway sometimes. <laughs> I think that's because um, I, I have I have strong convictions about certain things, and I just can't. I have to I have to tell people I can't stay quiet about things that I think are important. I have to get it out there to the world, and uh, I think most people understand me. And understand where I'm coming from with that, but um, sometimes it creates a little bit of friction with people um, who they just don't want to hear what you know what I have to say. And um, uh, it's uh, it, these are interesting times that we're living in, you know, where where people have a, a wide range of, of views on things, and uh, um, certainly. The generation that I grew up in, it was uh, things were much different. So, um, uh, anyway, uh, but I, I would say that I think people who really know me, who really really know me, would say that I love people, and I do. I do love people, and I'm, I'm always out there um, when I run across somebody who needs help. Uh, I would do just about anything to help them. I've uh, I've done some things to uh, help people who had a drug problem. You know, after my son after my son died, you know, some of his friends uh, that uh, ended up getting uh, a little bit involved with because, and, and when I say friends, these are these were friends who had uh, drug pro- uh, drug problems themselves and uh, uh, sent one kid to treatment. But before he before I could get him. The treatment, I um, I had to move him into my house for a little while, and I look back on that now. I'm like, man, what was I thinking? You know, because he uh, he was uh, he, you know, uh, that could have been a little bit dangerous. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. but but yeah, I think I would say that that I love people and um, and people people that really know me know that. So, Daryl, if anyone out there wants to learn more about you, any services you provide, anything related to your world, where is the best place for them to go? They can go to the Family Recovery Coach, 
thefamilyrecoverycoach.com, or they can go to darylrogers.com. It's D-A-R-R-Y-L-R-O-D-G-E-R-S.com. Those are two different websites. Um, And um, that would be where I would start. But I'm, I'm out there on social media Facebook, uh, have a, I have a group called Parenting Addicted Children for Parents who have uh, children with a drug or alcohol addiction. And um, uh, I'm on TikTok. <laughs> so uh, I've got, I'm on just about every social media channel. So they can, they can, if they just search for my name, um, it's hard to get the names right in terms of spelling uh, because both of them are spelled different than normally but uh, d-a-r-r-y-l-r-o-d-g-e-r-s and uh, and they can send me a private message on there no problem and i've connected with a lot of people that way over the years perfect carol hey thank you for taking time out today it was great to get to know you and your story i really appreciate it you too, Joe. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino. We cover the world of art, literature, music, spirituality, business, and more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.